Backwell Playhouse presents A Bench Encounter by John Ashby Is anyone sitting here? Not yet. If those clipboards are anything to go by, I'd say that you were doing a survey. Oh, yes, you could say that. You were not sure? Oh, yes, I'm sure, but it's not easy. Sorry to hear that. Bugger. Oh, excuse my French. Why do people say that? What? Bugger, or excuse my French? Excuse my French. It's like saying sugar instead of what you mean to say. Shit. That's the one. Although, the French don't feel the need to apologise when they say merde. Have you ever heard the French apologise for anything? Harsh, but fair. Is there a problem? Oh, not one that a bit of creative writing won't put right. I see, said the blind man who couldn't see anything at all. Does that flash clipboard mean you're doing market research? Yep. And I've just realised I'm one short of my quota of 25 to 30-year-old men. Oh, I really can't be bothered to go back and find another punter. I'll make it up. Again. So, when I read in tomorrow's paper that 89% of 25 to 30-year-old men prefer wife fronts to boxer shorts, I'll know that the results are flawed and can be disregarded because I witnessed a shameless rigging of the data. Oh, God. The shame. I'll tell you what. I've done some am-dram. Ask me. I'll pretend to be 29. So you're prepared to be complicit in this fraudulent behaviour? I won't tell if you don't. Deal. Boxers. I bet you say that to all the girls. <laughs> it only takes a couple of minutes. It's a new product launch. Okay, here we go. What are you doing? I'm getting into role. Aren't you going to interrupt me with a cunningly constructed opening gambit which will grab my attention like an emotional magnet? No. Oh. Just trying to help. Right, look, instead of going through the whole rigmarole of me reading out the introductory questions, why don't you just read through them yourself and tick the boxes? Highly scientific, I'm sure. Let's see. <laughs> yes. No. No. Yes. Yes. Certainly not. What's the matter? Just doing my Hancock at the blood donors routine, you know? But you must know. It's a classic. He goes to give blood and is reading through the questions about lifestyle and so on. He gets to the bit about sex. Oh, never mind. Okay, that's it. Now what? I'm going to show you some pairs of illustrations of potential packaging designs. Tell me which you prefer. Don't think about it. Just say left or right as your first impression dictates, okay? Yes, ma'am. Left. Left. Mm. Right. Left. Right. Right. That's it. That'll do. I'm sure any statistician would get the heebie-jeebies, but who cares? My quota is complete. Thanks for your help. I think help is the right word. Charming. <laughs> no, actually, this has been the highlight of my day. I'm not sure what the appropriate answer is to that. Should I be pleased that your day has been enhanced by my presence? 
Well, sorry that being in my company is as good as it gets for you on a dull Wednesday afternoon. What's the guitar for? I've been busking. Any good? Uh, money, I mean. Not bad. A few quid that'll pay for a meal or a pint. Can't complain. Is that what you do? Well, technically I'm a student, but busking helps the finances. What do you study? I'm doing a Master's in Statistics and Market Research, would you believe? I don't believe you. That's true. I take it you don't do this full-time? No. It depends on when they want me. Can be three or four times a week, but usually once or twice. You probably earn more busking. So you don't do it for the money, then? Well, it comes in handy, of course, like you, but no, I don't do it for the money. So why'd you do it, then? It doesn't matter. I don't wish to sound rude, but I'd better get on with sorting this lot out. Otherwise, I'll have to take it home to do it. Sorry. I fancy a coffee. Can I get you one? Oh, that's kind, but no thanks. Would you keep an eye on Eric here? Eric? My guitar. B.B. King calls his guitars Lucille. I call mine Eric, a tribute to old slow hand. The blessed Clapton? <laughs> the same. Sure. Have we got the time to make things better? Talk it out and see where we went wrong Together we can try We needn't say goodbye But have we got the time? We will find the time. I guess a latte, no sugar. I thought I didn't want one. Well, it just shows how wrong you can be sometimes. Thanks, that's very kind. Oh, sod it. Here you go. It's only a little bit dirty. Not to worry. I'm trying to be upset about it, but it's not working. I would have thought that would be easier at home. You're probably right. distracting you? Not at all. It's very good, but I don't recognise the song. Good? I beg your pardon? It's something I'm trying to write. If you had recognised it, that would mean I've subconsciously nicked it from somewhere. Keep at it. Sounds promising. Why, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Has the muse deserted you? Mm, sort of. Just feeling a bit self-conscious now. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, this Bloody stuff! Are you enjoying your course? Not really. I kind of did to begin with, a means to an end, but... 
I'll try to finish it for the CV, but after that, who knows? Why did you start it then? You must have had good reasons. After all, it's an expensive business, surely? Oh yes, it certainly is that. And busking second-hand Oasis songs is not the most fulfilling thing to do. So, why did you do it? Not brave enough not to. Sorry? I had a friend at uni. He was studying Russian and business. Very bright guy. Didn't have to work too hard to get his 2-1. Spent most of his spare time with his mates at the Drama Society, doing plays and improv and stuff. When he graduated, he said that he was going to become an actor. Given the fact that he'd had a couple of very attractive job offers in business, and the acting profession's usually so hit, but usually miss, I told him he was probably being very stupid, or very brave. He said he thought it would take more courage than he had to volunteer for the corporate life. Trying to make it as an actor seemed a whole lot more natural than the greasy pole of business. In short, he was not brave enough not to be an actor. That did it. I knew exactly what he meant. I tried to resist it for a while. Signed up for this course, didn't I? But it's no good. If you don't have a passion for what you do, eventually you'll drown. That's the big mistake that so many people make. They don't follow their passion, and they wonder why their lives are so unfulfilling. You poor boy. I don't know what to say. If I had a violin, I'd be soaring away at hearts and flowers. Tears flowing, hankies drenched from racking sobs of pity. Sorry? Have you any idea how selfishly pathetic you sound? I don't know which cloud you're on, but... Sorry? So you're going to become rich and famous as a singer-songwriter, are you? First the X Factor and then the world, is that it? Just like that. Money no object while you develop your oeuvre. No starving in a garret for you. A YouTube hero, the Ed Sheeran de nos jours. I'll be able to say to my grandkids, see him? I knew him when he used to patronise middle-aged ladies on a park bench. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I seem to have upset you. Was it something I said? You have no idea, do you? Enlighten me, then. <sighs> I went to an OK secondary school. Got an OK job in an office. Shorthand typing, if you remember such a thing. It was OK for a while, until I realised I had twice the sense of my boss. But of course, he was male, and the coup de grace, a graduate, and thus, by definition, the future. The company's policy was to recruit graduates instead of the previous regime of taking on bright school leavers. They were all doing it. Couldn't dictate a half-decent letter without us in the typing pool having to translate it into readable English. They knew how to organise a boozy business lunch with their mates, though. There was this job came up in our department. A proper admin job. I could do blindfold, especially with my experience and being well thought of in the company. Got an interview, but not the job. It was explained to me how valuable I was, what an asset to the company. But on this occasion, they decided to recruit from outside the company, to bring in fresh ideas and all that bollocks. They gave it to a male graduate? You're psychic, you are. What happened? Four weeks later, most of which he'd spent asking me how to do his job on about twice the money, don't forget, I go and see the boss. I tell him how disappointed I am and everything. He tells me how valuable I am to the company and how they have great things in mind for me, in due course. 
But of course, times are changing and I wasn't a graduate, was I? I'm guessing you weren't impressed. I said, what does Giles Murdoch know from his history BA about credit chasing that I haven't told him? Not a lot, by the sound of it. That's not entirely fair, is it, Shirley? He says, maxing out his patronising and condescension skills in one go. Young Giles can't be expected to hit the ground running without help and guidance. Someone as bright as you knows that. We look to his colleagues to rally round and support him. Team players like yourself. I've always seen you as a team player, Shirley. One of our best. Look, have you been working too hard? Uh, it's not women's troubles. I went straight back to my desk and wrote out my resignation. Only had to give one week's notice. I had some holiday to come, so we'd get paid for that. So five minutes later, I was back in his office and I handed the envelope over. What's this, Shirley? He says. I told him. Brave. I'm taking the rest of the week off in lieu of the holiday. If you don't like it, sue me. Good luck with the boy wonder tomorrow. <laughs> I hope you flounced properly. You really have no idea, do you? I walked out of my job, for Christ's sake. I made myself unemployed. On purpose. You just didn't do things like that. Certainly I didn't. But I didn't care. Well, I did later, but God, it felt good. Do you regret it now? It was a double-edged sword. I respected myself for speaking up, but my tactics were rubbish, and in practical terms it was not the cleverest. You can't claim dole for ages if you make yourself unemployed. It's probably a thousand times worse now. You're a small part of the statistical embarrassment that upsets the government. I think we might have more in common than you think. Oh? I grew up on a council estate. Traditional, hard-working family. <laughs> Overused cliché that has become. I inherited some brainy genes. I got a scholarship to a local grammar school. Everyone was tickled pink, but that's where it all started to go wrong. In what way? Sounds like the boy wonder, everything on a plate. If you hadn't passed the scholarship, you'd have been stuck like the rest of us also rans. I don't see what we have in common at all. I was completely out of my depth. Culturally and socially. Luckily, I was good at sports, so I was part of that group, but in all other ways I felt lonely and inadequate. I'll give you a simple example. I referred to my parents as mum and dad. One day, the maths teacher asked me something about home life. I told him about dad. He replied, about father. I said dad or mum. He said father or mother and everything about his tone suggested that I was socially inferior. It probably sounds stupid to you, but I tell you it was deeply symbolic. He was a snob. He was representative of the culture. I don't see why it should have bothered you so much. Surely as you got older you could see it as pathetic. Him or me? Oh, please. But at home, I was the genius. <laughs> could do no wrong. Nothing but top marks in everything was the minimum requirement. As it happened, I realised that academically, I was in the top 20% of the year. And 19th in a year of 100 was very good. But we were streamed. I was in the top stream, but 19th in a class of 22 was nearly bottom of the class. Because he had no idea how the school worked, Dad saw me as a disappointing failure and set about trying to encourage me the only way he knew. The stick. Emotionally, not literally. But certainly not the carrot. He wanted the best for you. Of course he did. 
but intentional or not, he killed all the self-confidence I had. I still feel a shudder whenever I hear the word useless. I was useless. Despite being in the school rugby and cricket teams, and had started playing rock and roll and singing in a band. Mind you, that came later, and he actually approved of that. My husband was like that. I was never quite as good as his mother. I don't mean he ever made a direct comparison, but I knew. I could tell. I got various part-time jobs while the kids were at school, but they're off our hands now, so I'm free to pick and choose what I do now. In theory, anyway. I often wondered what would have happened if I'd got that promotion. Would I have risen up the managerial tree? And would you have enjoyed it if you had? Who knows? But at least I would have had the chance to find out. Is it too late to make a new start? <laughs> it's not that stupid a question, you know. If I had a magic wand, what would you wish for? Is there something you're not telling me? <gasps> you're not on the run from a pantomime. Are you my fairy godfather? I know. This is the latest reality show, the latest in a long line of the Humiliate the Public franchise. None of the above. But humour me. In an ideal world, what would you be doing right now? A primary school teacher. Really? OK. Wave the wand, Master Potter. I thought you might have said something more... Well, I don't know. Impossible. Oh, no. Just normal impossible. Well, what if you had said astronaut? Huh? No, seriously. What if you had said astronaut? We could have considered the issues that prevent that happening. Like age, lack of qualifications, flying experience, not living in Houston or Russia. Those sort of things. Exactly. And we could see if they were insurmountable odds, or whether we could eliminate them and clear your path to the heavens. Well, I suppose I could, in theory at any rate, learn to fly and move to Houston. But that would still leave the qualifications and the age. Need I say more? No. But in theory, it's only the age thing you can't change. Do you think they'll ever want grannies in space? Anyway, what about you? If I could borrow your wand and wave it at you? I always wished I could have been good enough to play cricket professionally. After school and at college, I played with and against players who were about county second team level. I remember going to the indoor nets at Lords with a team I was playing for. Would you believe? Actually, it's no big deal. Anyone can hire the nets for practice sessions. Anyway, one of the resident coaches approached us. I was bowling at the time, reasonable medium pace, I thought, and he said that one of the Middlesex batsmen was coming back from injury and would appreciate some bowling to test his fitness. Naturally, I jumped at the chance. I ran up and bowled, reasonably quick. I let the ball go. He read the line, length and speed immediately. He wandered away from the stumps, got out a sandwich from his bag, poured a tea from his flask, ate and drank and then picked up his bat with plenty of time left to pat the delivery gently back to me. I exaggerate slightly, but it was a reality check par excellence. The difference between good club level and professional was huge. So your dreams were shattered? Well, a secret hoping at least. But it was fine. I knew without doubt that the obstacle of talent was insurmountable. Not enough basic ability. Nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing I could do about it. Stopped hoping and back to the drawing board. Very valuable experience. You didn't get that useless feeling? Not at all. But I got the impression that you had a reflexive response to failure. Hmm, well, 
yes, that's true. But this situation was a learning experience somehow. And it was fair. Guilt didn't come into it. The trouble with being called useless all the time just meant that I came to believe it. But more than that, I should have been able to do something about it. I felt guilty that I couldn't. So it's the sense of unfairness that really provokes the pain. It's like being sucked into a whirlpool. You just can't escape. But you know now. Oh, yes, I, I probably knew then. But as a shrink said to me once, having the insight is no cure. If a loud noise makes you jump, you know why. It doesn't stop you jumping. But surely... Roar! Ha! Ooh! <laughs> Ow! Ow! <coughs> what was that for? I wasn't going to hit you. I was just trying to demonstrate my point about reflex actions. Well, you should have warned me. They used to teach us at self-defence classes. Don't think about it, just do it. Still, I suppose you made your point. <laughs> you definitely got your money's worth on that course. Oh, your problem's solved. We're on self-defence classes. Sorry. Did it really hurt? Yes. Oh, good. Hey! No, I mean, I'm glad the move was effective. I mean, you never know about these things until you try them. Up till now, it's all been theory. I've never had to use it before. You didn't need to use it then, either. Well, there you go. This is odd, isn't it? What? That I should be attacked by a middle-aged ninja outside the branch of a well-known coffee franchise? No, but ten minutes ago we'd never exchanged a word. But here we are, chatting away like we've known each other for ages. I mean, what am I doing telling you, a complete stranger, about how unhappy I am? We don't do that sort of thing. And what am I going to say when I get home and he asks me what kind of a day I've had? Oh, not too bad. Just an impromptu counselling session with a complete stranger young enough to be my son. Do you know how the Samaritans got started? I'm not that unhappy. I'm not completely sure of the details, but Chad Vara, who was the vicar or priest or whatever at St Martin's in the Fields in London, he started a drop-in centre for people who were depressed, distressed, perhaps suicidal. It was very successful. And soon lots of people heard about it and went along. Well, this meant that his waiting room got very busy. After a while, he noticed that some people, after waiting a while, would leave before seeing him. He was unhappy about that until he discovered people had started to talk to each other. Total strangers up to that point. But just having someone to talk to, who wouldn't judge them, was all they needed. The Samaritans was born. Yes, I'd heard that. Oh, thank you. Do you fancy another coffee? I do, actually. Flat white. No sugar. Thanks. Will you keep an eye on my bag, please? Sure. There's so much I want to say There must be a better Another try. Here you are. Cheers. Oh, you're welcome. When did Cheers leave the pub and mug thank you? Good question. Just before things became awesome, I expect. Yet another example of the Japanese knotweed of American casualization. Good grief. 
When I was a teenager and was keen on soul music and Tamla Motown, nothing was any good unless it was American. Now, I hate it when I hear everything sung with an American accent. It seems terribly false. Would you like to go back and be 19 again? Oh, God, no. All that angst about boys and stuff. But surely you wish you had taken different decisions? Given what we were talking about before, I wish I could go back. Waste of energy. But I know I could have been happier now if things had turned out differently. The trouble is, you don't know at the time what the important things are, do you? It's sliding doors, isn't it? The big decisions are easy to spot, aren't they? You know at the time that you're going to make right and wrong choices. If only I hadn't walked out of my job. If only I'd joined the police. If only I hadn't married Mervyn. If only... Mervyn? Merv the Swerve, he reckoned. Merv the Love Machine. Do you regret... Marrying him? No, not at all. He was lovely to me. Great dad and all that. So why am I so frustrated now? Is this it? We peaked years ago. Downhill from here on in. Could it have been different? Could I have really done things differently? Just think of all those tiny, apparently insignificant choices we make that add up to our lives. Perhaps Islam has got it right. Pardon? Inshallah. Choice is an illusion. Am I being selfish? Have you talked about it? Oh, yes. It's a phase, he reckons. I say I want to travel. Do you? To be honest, I don't really know. All I do know is that there is never a day, no, not an hour goes by without me thinking that I'd rather be somewhere else doing something else. With someone else? I really don't know. What does Mervyn think about going travelling? <laughs> I had backpacking in mind. He brought home some brochures for a cruise around the Balearics. You're not keen? It's a load of Balearics. <laughs> it seems to me that some people are lucky enough to be able to make things happen. But for the rest of us, things happen to us. Would you really like to be a primary school teacher? Yes, I would. I had a brief spell as a classroom assistant when the boys were at school. I enjoyed it and was good at it. So what happened next? I got frustrated that I couldn't do more. I left. I thought they were crying out for teachers. Teachers, yes. Assistants, no. I think you mentioned earlier that you don't have a degree. Did I? I rarely give it a thought. Well, perhaps you should. Oh, I was wondering what to do with that £9,000 I found down the back of the sofa. Oh, seriously. I'm always reading about the need for life experience in new teachers. I can think of about a hundred reasons why that's a daft idea. And you're one of the also-rans that things happen to? That's not fair. I wish you had more belief in yourself. Pots and black kettles come to mind. No, but seriously. Make a list of all the obstacles and deal with them. I'll help you if you like. I suppose I'd better be getting off now. Haven't decided what to have for tea yet. Your decision, or is tea happening to you? <laughs> a bit of both, I suppose. When are you out interviewing next? Friday. I know this is going to sound odd, but how do you feel about meeting up again? Oh, I don't know about that. A bit too much like brief encounter, if you ask me. I've really enjoyed talking to you. You've made me think. I'd like to do this again. I know what you mean, but the idea makes me nervous. Why? It feels like we've taken a tin opener to my personal can of worms. It's unnerving. I can see that. 
I just feel that talking like this has been such an unexpected opportunity to open up. <laughs> I'm slightly lightheaded. Oh, that'll be the coffee. You might be able to help me. Oh? Help me see things about myself. I'm not sure. Apart from anything else, would I tell my husband? Or go behind his back? Why wouldn't you tell him? This is definitely not brief encounter. He might not see it that way. Then don't tell him. This is part of your life, which is yours. Empower yourself. God, that sounded pompous. Just a bit. The thing is, I'm feeling useful. I think I could help. So this is about you? No. Well, yes, a bit. But couldn't we be helping each other? You know, a win-win situation. Isn't it okay to feel good about being useful? Okay. Friday, four o'clock for coffee. Now I must go. Hope you're feeling better as you read this letter. Now you're finally on your way. I won't get the coffees in, in case she changes her mind. I'll miss you so much. Oh well. So much. I'm only ten minutes late. I can't have missed him. He's a student, probably isn't out of bed yet. Was it cappuccino, he said? Oh, that'll have to do. Her coffee was hot. She cradled the pot in her hands. Never drinking. Her mind is so clear. The time's getting near to put the past behind. She can't believe she's been so blind. What am I doing here? I hope he likes cold coffee. He can have something to read while he's at it. Closing the door, she knew she was sure the time was more than right. And she knows. He said he wanted to be useful. <laughs> Adventure Encounter was written by John Ashby and performed by John Coop and Helen Coop. Adventure Encounter was produced and directed by John Coop. Sound effects were performed by the Backwell Playhouse Theatre Company. Total music was written by Terry Milton. The featured music was There's So Much, Have We Got The Time, Oh Why, Hope You're Feeling Better, and She Opened Her Eyes, all written and performed by John Ashby. This recording is the property of Backwell Playhouse. The stories, characters and situations depicted within are the property of the author. All are protected by copyright. For more information on Backwell Playhouse, visit our website www.backwellplayhouse.co.uk, find our page on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at BackwellPH. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us on your favoured podcasting service. Thank you for listening.